The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We gather together for ordered worship in the spirit of one who wrote in 1762 to celebrate the opening of a children's school in Kingswood, England. Unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combined, truth and love for all to see. The liturgy and music and homily this day are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of service and leadership in our midst. And as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us here in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. O God, you have taught us to keep all your commandments by loving you and our neighbor. Grant us the grace of your Holy Spirit that we may be devoted to you with our whole heart and united to one another with pure affection. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. It is our custom to begin our day of worship and rest and our hour of service with a moment of prayer, contrition, compunction, lament, and confession as the choir sings with us. We also, it ought to be said, bring to this moment together our longing, our loss, our need, our grieving to the one who said, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In that spirit, may we bow for a time of prayer. Let us pray. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Beloved, hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Genesis, chapter 24. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become wealthy. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female slaves, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and he has given him, she has given him all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from my daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I live. But you shall go to my father's house, to my kindred, and get a wife for my son. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you will only make successful the way I am going. I am standing here by the spring of water. 
Let the young woman who comes out to draw, to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew. I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will also water your camels. So I drank, and she also watered the camels. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, who Milka bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to obtain the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you will deal loyally and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, so that I may turn either to the right hand or to the left. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will. So they sent away their sister Rebekah and her nurse, along with Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, May you, our sister, become thousands of myriads. May your offspring gain possession of the gates of their foes. Then Rebekah and her maids rose up, mounted the camels, and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had come from Beer Lahairoi and was settled in the Negev. Isaac went out in the evening to walk in the field, and looking up, he saw camels coming. And Rebekah looked up, and when she saw Isaac, she slipped quickly from the camel and said to the servant, Who is the man over there, walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all the things he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. He took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
And now a lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 7, verses 15 to 25. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer that I do it, but that sin dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh, I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self. But I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 45 with Antiphon. daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. The princess is decked in her chamber with gold-woven robes. In many colored robes she is led to the king. Behind her, the virgins, her companions, follow. In the place of ancestors, you, O king, shall have sons. You will make them princes in all the earth. for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 11, verses 16 through 19 and 25 through 30. Glory to you, O Lord. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. Upon this summer Sunday, let us meditate together on imagination and its influence in discipleship. Our gospel turns to the playful imagination of children in the marketplace. St. Paul wrote in a similar way to his Corinthian congregation. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Discipleship requires more than wisdom alone. The walk of faith evokes and involves imagination, the free play of insight, the province of children and saints. What a gift are the parables of Jesus. He taught them in parables, says the scripture, and without a parable he taught not one thing. Here in a story form is the same sentiment just remembered from Paul. God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Jesus stands in the marketplace. He sees two warring groups of children, all community is endless contention and intractable difference. One group wants to play a game called weddings. We have our pipes, we are ready to dance. Come and join us and let us play the game of weddings. Another group wants to play a game called funerals. We have our tears, our wailing, our gathered mourning cloths and forms. Come and join us and let us play the game of funerals. One game for the enjoyment of life, preferred by Jesus himself. One game for the doer self-discipline of life, preferred by John the Baptist. Come and join. Yet neither group will give way. Groups, as Reinhold Niebuhr taught us in Moral Man and Immoral Society, groups have a hard time changing direction or giving way or forgiving or summoning an imagination ready for discipleship. That requires a childlike heart. It requires an imagination-soaked discipleship. It requires the person whom you are meant to become. Did you ever know and love somebody who was always a bit on the edge? I mean, a beautiful person with a heart of gold who was 
run raw by the gone wrongness of life. This can be a rough world for a sensitive soul. Someone who has an unquenchable passion for getting things right and for knowing when things are wrong. A little of that can go a long way in a community. If your very hunger is for what establishes the soul, you can sometimes go hungry. Imagine for a moment with his or her eyes. Every child in the community attending a safe, well-lit, quiet school where virtually all can read at the sixth grade level by the time they finish the sixth grade level. Every sick person in the community given ample medical care, most of it preventive, and all of it shot through with a heavenly infusion of time and talent and treasure. Every person of color in the community feeling confident entering the public spaces, theaters, churches, stadiums, stores, in every corner of the community. Every man free to be a man, every woman free to be a woman. Imagine with his, her eyes. Here at university, we are blessed with intelligence, youth, freedom, and reason. We want to be careful and caring, so we pause for a summer moment here. We educators, well, let me start with myself. We sometimes tend to leave civil society to the rest of society. I, we, we have much freedom, but how we choose to use it in relation to the rest of the community and society, that is another matter. We, after all, have that next paper to write, 50 pages of small print, not including footnotes, titled with some version of the title Obscurity Squared. To do that, one needs a capacity to spend 12 hours a day alone in the library or before a computer screen. To do that, to write that series of scholarly papers, become books, become resume, become tenure, become professor, can for us risk leaving aside if we're not careful or leaving to others if we're not careful. The imaginative stewardship of forms of civil society, Girl Scout cookies, umpire work for the Little League, Pinewood Derby leadership, a seat on the PTA, Sunday worship, neighborhood watch, refugee resettlement work. These we might leave in the hands of others if we're not careful. Or at least we think we need to. These basic cultural building blocks that rest finally on a willingness to sit quietly in dull meetings hoping against hope for the blessed refrain, I guess we're done for tonight. In civil society, we have a chance to influence others and to be influenced among others in lasting personal ways. You want, as an educator, to speak to others, to convince others, to educate. Good. But... You cannot speak to others until or unless you speak for others. To speak to requires first to speak for. Others will not hear or heed and should not in your speech to them if they do not, with utter confidence, feel, feel that you speak for them as well. 
To speak for, you have to be with. At breakfast, playing golf, in book club, in church, at the YMCA. Then, only then, will you have enough funds in the relational bank when you need to withdraw some to say something that may then be audible. If you want people in Wisconsin to hear you, candidate, you have to go and be with people in Wisconsin. If you want people to hear you, preacher, you have to go and be with people in visitation on their turf. If you want to speak to others, educators, you will have to find a way to speak for others, not just to others. This is the whole genius of American civil society from the time of de Tocqueville. Whether we will find in the humiliations of this our era, whose national leadership is shredding inherited forms of civil society on an hourly basis, whether we will find the humility to go out and suffer with and for others over the better part of the next decade in order then to speak to others, that is and maybe the unanswered question. To get to an answer, we may just need some imagination in our discipleship. When wisdom is vindicated by her deeds, our gospel lures us and lures our imagination forward for discipleship. Have we yet learned the lesson that what one means by an act, a word, a statement, or a vote, say, is not all that such an act means? We have experienced this lesson this year. The lesson, that is, that what you in your heart meant by an act or a word or a statement or a vote is not, in fact, the limit of what that act, word, statement, or vote meant. In fact, it is a small, very small part. The greater meaning being found not in what you meant, but in the effect the impact, the historical influence of the deed. Wisdom is justified by her deeds. Said Ray Hart, the meaning of a text is found in the future it opens, the future it imagines, the future it creates. So too the meaning of an act, a word, a statement, or a vote is found in the future, bright or dark, which it creates. What you meant is not what it means. For that, for what it means, you'll have to listen to those harmed or helped by it. Meaning is social, not individual. Hence our use of words, our developed language, our investment in culture, our life in community. You may have meant it one way, but its meaning is found along another. Such hard tragic lessons to have to learn and relearn. Jesus is our beacon, not our boundary. Imagination is a dimension of discipleship that is waxing, not waning, needed, not superfluous, crucial, not peripheral. Our passages today, Genesis, Psalms, and Romans, draw our imaginations to forms of authority and our engagement with them. In Genesis, the authority in ancestry. In Psalms, the authority in government. 
in Romans, the authority, in conscience. In all these, the writers struggle to imagine a way forward following the light of the beacon across the challenge of the boundary. Please pause for a summer moment to consider imagination. Pause and meditate a little this summer morning on your own enjoyment of play. Our esteemed colleague and beloved mentor, now of blessed memory, Dr. Peter Berger, did so with imagination for discipleship years ago in his little book, A Rumor of Angels. You know, in the summer, I see grown men enthralled on a green field following a wee little white ball which seems to have a mind of its own for three or four hours carrying a heavy bag in the hot sun. In the summer, I see grown women shopping together without any particular need, but immersed, self-forgetful in the process of the hunting and purchasing of God knows what. I see emerging adults fixed and fixated days on end in the world of warcraft. Can you remember playing bridge in college all night long to the detriment of your zoology grade, said Peter Berger. In playing, one steps out of one time into another. And when adults play with genuine joy, they momentarily regain the deathlessness of childhood. The experience of joyful play is not something that must be sought on some mystical margin of experience. It can readily be found in the reality of ordinary life. The religious justification of the experience can be achieved only in an act of faith. And this faith is inductive. It does not rest on a mysterious revelation, but rather on what we experience in our common, ordinary lives. Religion is the final vindication of childhood and joy and of all gestures that replicate Imagination in discipleship forms a wisdom vindicated, a wisdom justified by her deeds. Luke has changed the ending to justified by all her children, maybe an even closer memory to the marrow of imagination. Here again, the imaginative wisdom of Boston University's own late personalist philosopher Erezim Kohak in The Embers and the Stars, with ten of whose epigrams we conclude this summer morning to kindle the imagination in discipleship. We shall dig again the wells of our fathers. Humans grow angry so easily, so heedlessly, venting their anger at those nearest and most vulnerable needlessly, wantonly injuring what is most precious and most fragile. Humans are not only humans, moral subjects and vital organisms, they are also persons capable of fusing eternity and time in the precious, anguished reality of a love that would be eternal and the concreteness of time. A person is a being through whom eternity enters, There is self-discovery in remembrance. We have a sense of history, but we seem to have lost a sense of eternity. 
The authentic relation between beings is the personal encounter of mutual respect. Most of the time we possess and covet far more than we can care for and cherish. Generosity personalizes as greed depersonalizes. We need to rediscover ourselves as persons, not as need-gratifying organisms. The chief task of philosophy is to write footnotes to the text of experience. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Amen. We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Creator of the universe, every day we find ourselves as momentary carbon stories, finding meaning on this pale blue dot and finding significance in the insignificant. Every day we find tensions and messiness in our lives, in our societies, and in our world. We see moments of positive meaning and hope and moments of sadness and pain. We see it all in our little mode of dust suspended in a sunbeam. Every action we make and have on this mode of dust has consequences and is significant, and yet we are a humble mode of dust. We pray that we recognize where you are in our actions, in your presence as the ground of being, in our existences as beings living in our fragile world. We pray for the brief moments and for the grand moments. We pray for our experiences and for the vibrant communities we are a part of. We pray for our community in the heart of the city as we live out existences as vessels of love and as we attempt to reflect your love. As our experiences of love come crashing into our day-to-day -day lives like a large wave, 
washing meaning over our lives, may our actions pour out love to others. Let us embrace, let us accept and embrace the wonderful fragileness and tension that is our existence, experiencing reality on earth, a humble mode of dust suspended in a sunbeam, and yet seeing the awestruck wonder, grandeur, mystery, and beauty in such a humble existence, reflecting the mystery and grandeur of the humble life of the one who took on our fragility in time, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. And as our Lord, Savior Christ has taught us, we now pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. The peace of the Lord be always with you. We welcome you once again to the nave of Marsh Chapel and hope you'll take a moment to help us get to know you better so that we can help you get to know one another better by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew. Welcome to the summer students and welcome to summer visitors. Today is the second week of our Summer Preacher series. The full schedule can be found in the bulletin. Also in your bulletin, you'll find an insert with information on the Commonwealth Avenue Bridge Replacement Project. Please see the hospitality staff for more information. Finally, we invite you to Summer Fellowship Hour with cookies and lemonade in the plaza right after the service. For all other upcoming services and activities, we would encourage you to keep an eye to the Marsh Chapel website 
bu.edu slash chapel, where you may also find the opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
creator of the universe, who grounds our being and fills existence with meaning. Use our charitable gifts for your purposes for our community so that we can continue to be a heart for the heart of the city and a service in the service of the city. Through Christ, the one whose life exemplified heart and service. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen.